0: knowing... Oh, I really hope that helicopter isn't too loud. Welcome to The Reframe. My name is Josiah Van Vliet. Uh, It's been a little while. March always does me poorly. Uh, I always think that February is going to be the worst. And and then always, every year, it's always March that's the worst. Because in my head, March is supposed to be better, and it never is. Um, It's always worse. Anyway, uh, I'm back. Uh, I am recording again. This is a mini episode on the tales of my last episode, which was about immigration and abortion and the idea of national identity and personal identity to which literally no one said a word. Uh, I don't really blame anybody. I don't know if anyone really listened, though. So there's no comments to discuss. Uh, those but those uh, subjects were all a little too hot button for everybody, apparently. This mini episode is going to be about what the brain is for. In a lot of the circles that I've traveled in, people seem to think that the brain is a sort of truth-finding engine, a sort of epistemic tool, right? It's there to tell you how the world works. And that's fundamentally not what it's for, um, either in other animals or in humans. Fundamentally, the central nervous system is a control circuit in electrical engineering control circuit is really just you know one circuit that controls another circuit you have a switch that controls a relay that relay turns on a larger circuit and that does stuff for you simple stuff like if you've got a really big and big electrical engine you don't want all that current coming all the way out to the switch and then all the way back because if if something makes a mistake that current's going to kill you so you have a small current that goes through the switch goes back to the engine if something goes wrong It's not a big deal, but you don't want to pipe all that power all the way out and all the way back. Um, In the context of sort of evolutionary psychology where I'm sort of using this metaphor, I mean, you want to think about where the brain historically sort of evolutionarily comes in and you're talking about like nematodes and worms and, and even just like logically the structure of the first animals. All the first animals had for control was basically two reactions: go towards something, go away from something. And a lot of that was based on smell. Um, that's why smell is one of the oldest senses. In uh, it is the oldest sense um, in evolution. The first single-cell animals really s- chemical detection as an indication of where you should go was really all you had. Like, can you detect food? Can you detect predators? And that was what you had to work with. And you see that basic dichotomy even even in people. This is somewhat of a side, but even in human beings, you have a basic avoid approach uh, binary. Um, and you can see this in this sort of uh, profane, sacred and profane uh, duality. Um, or, you know, uh, where some things are acceptable and appropriate and desired and other things are to be avoided. And that's all basically boils down, that all comes back down to that old, old binary choice of behavior. Do you want to move towards the thing you've detected or away from the thing you've detected? And there really isn't, historically when things started, that was the only choice you had and you see that, propagated through all of evolution um but back to the brain and the brain is a control circuit so the thing is that if you look back at that that nematode right that it's not that the central nervous system such as it has in an in a ancient tiny animal like that it's not there to tell the nematode what you detect is a food source or what you detect is a predator what you are trying to get from that central nervous system is not information but action right because what you want the what the animal needs to know and the animal needs to do is move towards or move away so the central nervous system as soon as it as soon as it exists what it is for is it is for creating action not for creating information now the information is crucial um, the information is crucial, crucial, but it's not the point. And you can have adaptive behavior, right? That's what we're trying to get out of this control circuit: is adaptive behavior. You can get adaptive behavior, even with bad info. Um, you can you you can see in sort of um, cartoonish example. The cartoonish example that I like is fighter pilots um, having a realistic and um, accurate sense of how likely you are to survive in a dogfight is not something you want to concentrate on or really even necessarily be aware of when you're going into combat. What you want to have is a mix of unrealistic self-confidence with enough of a check to know when to bail out or, or when to turn around or when to run you don't want an accurate representation of the situation you're in, right? Never tell me the odds. There's a reason why you don't want to hear the odds under certain circumstances, and that's part of being a complex animal, but we'll leave that aside. Um, The simple example that sort of really does a lot of work for me is the idea of a thermostat. Now, if you don't know how your furnace works, you're about to find out. Uh, If you do, I'm sorry. So the thermostat in your apartment or in your house has basically two functions, one of which is a thermometer so that it can react to the temperature. And the other is, one way or another, a relay, which is a thing that either opens or closes an electrical circuit. So the furnace sends power up to your thermostat and your thermostat returns that power if the temperature is above or below the threshold temperature that you've set. So let's say you live in an apartment, you are very frugal, it's winter, you set your thermostat to 60. And what happens is as the temperature goes down, it goes past 60, the relay closes, and that's the logic of the thermostat, it sends the power that it was getting from the, from the furnace back to the furnace, and the furnace knows to turn on until such time as the temperature comes back up over sixty, at which point the relay opens, current stops getting sent, and your furnace turns off. Real-world examples uh, can be way more complicated, but um, that's the basics, right? And the thermostat is a control circuit. And the reason this is interesting is that if I went into your house and uh, with a label maker and I changed all the numbers on your thermostat, and I just added 150 to all of the numbers, it wouldn't really make any difference to how the thermostat functions. It would cause you a slight bit of confusion until you realize that what you had wanted now required you to put your thermostat to 210. But once you figure that out, the thermostat still works, and you're still capable of operating it. And the important thing to think about here is that the thermostat's relationship with the truth is very strange, right? It doesn't need to have the right numbers. It needs to behave lawfully in its relationship with temperature within the appropriate range, right? So if I changed the way the internal mechanism of the thermostat operated so that that relay opened and closed with every degree so it turned on at 60 and off at 61 and on at 62 and off at 63. It, that would be broken, right? That would be, it would no longer be controlling. It would no longer, your furnace would no longer do what you wanted it to do. At the same time, with the adding a big number, it still works. It still provides the control that you want. It's just no longer a good thermometer. It's still a perfectly good thermostat. Right. It still controls the temperature in a lawful way. It still turns the, thir- the furnace on and off when you expect it to. You just have to sort of either calibrate it, remember that the numbers are all screwy. Um, it sort of doesn't really matter. And in the same way, the brain is the same thing. You don't need it to be right in any sort of absolutist sense, generally to get good adaptive behavior. You could have calibrated errors baked in and you would get good behavior out of it. And historically, and if you think about this, like the people who I'm thinking of, who I'm sort of opposing in in this podcast, the people who think that the brain is there to generate truth, it couldn't possibly have been for that. It couldn't possibly have been generating those sorts of things in years past. Because if you think, even if we were right about everything today, which we aren't, and even if you knew everything about everything today, which you can't, a thousand years ago, 5,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, people thought radically different things and still adapted, still had adaptive behavior for their environment at the time. Now they couldn't possibly have had truth the way that we would wanna say that someone knew the truth a thousand years ago. That just, doesn't jive with anything we believe now. But at the same time, it's undeniable that those people had adaptive behavior for their environment. They survived. They had children. Their children had children. They were a success evolutionarily, adaptively. They were a complete success. And yet, if you went and took their beliefs down on a list and said, how many of these things do you think are true? You and I would disagree radically. There'd be very few things on that list that we would say, yeah, that's actually true. And all of that's really important if you want to understand how the brain actually works and how people actually work. Um, you can sort of get by with believing that the brain is an engine of truth. If you are gonna gloss stuff, again, it's one of those beliefs that you know you might actually generate adaptive behavior with that idea, but it's not really true. That's not the kind of thing that happens. That's not what's going on. And for my next podcast, uh, this is sort of a precursor a pre-footnote, as a friend of mine called it. Knowing what um, knowing what the brain is for, knowing what, why you do what you do and why you need what you need into, uh, intellectually and informationally is very important sometimes. Usually you can gloss it. Normally, for most things, it's not something that we really need, but it's important for some of us to know, it's important to have theoretically correct what the roles of these organs are uh we don't folk psychology is a a laughably inaccurate thing for a lot of reasons so that's my mini podcast uh for right now uh i'm glad to be back on the horse apologize for the long delay and uh hopefully this will uh you know get me back on track now that we have sunlight again which uh is a Very helpful for me actually doing things that are not video games or sleeping. Um, Please, if you get the chance, share my podcast. uh, Tell somebody who you think would like about it. Tell me what you think. Send in a question. Send in something you'd like to hear about. Um, I would love to have that sort of call and response um, activity. Uh, I have a Facebook page that you should go to if you want to do that. Um, And I have a Patreon page if you feel like giving me money for this some people think that's a good idea. I'm not sure I entirely endorse it, but I do appreciate it greatly. And uh, I've recently got an offer for someone to help me out with Twitter, so you might actually hear from me aside from once a month when I do these podcasts. And uh, I hope that the springtime treats you well and that the the, the sunlight cheers you up and we can all uh, have a slightly better time now that... Well, it did snow April 1st here in Boston, but... Hopefully that will end and we'll have a you know a pleasant summer of weather, whatever the climate change gods decide to give us. Thanks again for listening. Uh, this has been The Reframe, and I am still Josiah Van Vliet. Thank you.